uh, 5, and we're going to be looking at verses um, 18 and 19, and what's already read in your hearing, I'm going to read it again. All this is from God, who reconciles us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Tell somebody, get reconnected. Get reconnected. A long day became a much longer day when I arrived home from work. A one summer evening was around 5.30, it was still light. And uh, as I parked, I saw that a utility company didn't know which one it was, had painted a bright, bold, blue circle on our parking lot without my permission. Now, it was very noticeable. That's how, even though after an exhausting day, it didn't escape my notice. Now, when I saw this circle, I immediately wanted to find out what utility company had the audacity to mark up my property. So I rushed in the house, and I went in to wash my hands in the bathroom before I would call these people and give them a piece of my mind and get them straightened out. And I noticed that the water in the bathroom did not come on. So then I decided to proceed to several other rooms in the house to turn the water on to get my hands washed, and the water didn't come on. So now I'm thinking there's a water outage in the community. And so I call the water department, and I want to know how long the water is going to be shut off in our community and what caused the outage. And the lady that answered the phone after 5.30 seemed to be really, really proud to say to me, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Benson, but there's no water outage in your neighborhood. We have disconnected your services for the lack of payment. And so when she said that our services had been disconnected, I realized immediately that I had forgotten to make the payment to the water department. And so my question to her was, when, it, when can you send someone out tonight so that we can have water for the rest of the night and into the next day? And she said, well, I'm sorry, we're closed, and we will not be able to reconnect your water until you pay. And then sometimes late, later in the day after you paid, uh, we will reconnect your water. And so guess who was in line? The first customer when the doors were open. Now, I, yeah, I was embarrassed. Yeah, I was upset. But I got down to the water company to get my stuff reconnected. And it's a simple reason why. I needed water for our house. Water is an essential thing. I, I, I know you agree with me. Now, it was 
a happy day when they turned our water back on. But if you were to drive by our house today, that blue circle reminding me, don't forget to pay your bill, is still on our, on our driveway. Now, when something that is vital to us has been disrupted, we will do whatever it takes to get reconnected. Healthy relationships are like life-giving water. That is why when God speaks of his relationship to his children as our shepherd, he says, he leads us beside the quiet waters. God leads us where we can remain connected to him without disruption. He leads us beside the quiet waters. You ought to do a study on what the Bible teaches about water in relation to God's people. Water is like, the life-giving water is like the connection that is necessary to sustain healthy relationship. I wonder if God were to place a bright blue circle in front of your house today because of broken and damaged relationships, how many of you would humbly stand before him in 2021 to get your relationship services reconnected? I believe that God has allowed us to experience relationship disconnections in 2020 to show us how important being connected with others in a healthy way is. That's why God said to Adam in the garden, it is not good that man should be alone. Now, as we turn the page of 2020, I want to share with you some hard things. I, the Lord had given me an, uh, an entirely different sermon. I'd already worked on it. I was going to be calm and chill last night, and the Holy Spirit said, nope. And so and God abruptly gave me redirection because we need to do some hard things in order to become what we think we already are in Christ, some hard things. We need to get reconnected in order to heal, to mend broken relationships. And so I'm going to share with you some principles, and I'm not a four-principle four, four guy, five-principle guy. I got some principles that I want to share with you. I'm not going to yell at you tonight. We, 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 we have been all hyped up and emotional, and we didn't high-five and told the Lord how we love him. We didn't been slain in the spirit, and we still go home and live like the devil. God wants us to reflect his image on earth through how we relate one to another. There are at least 26 verses in the New Testament alone that talk about how Christians should reconnect one with another. And we're going to, I can look at all 26 of those verses, but whenever God says something multiple times, it's not because he's at a loss for vocabulary. God is trying to make a point. He's trying to uh, uh, give us, uh, uh, make an emphasis on, the, on, on something that in his will is, is crucial. So here are some principles about getting your relationship services in 2021 
reconnected. We want to get connected. We want to stop playing with God. We want to stop grieving the Holy Spirit. We want to have God take our hearts of stone and make them into hearts of flesh. We want what breaks the heart of God to break our heart. And I'm concerned that the reason why we can allow relationships that God has allowed to be the, the, the crucial relationships in our life, the reason why we can go on and not be con connected is because we don't fear God. We do not have a reverence for God. And so we want to be very careful not to ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit tonight when he's speaking to us individually. And trust me, when I was being ministered to by the Holy Spirit, this thing told me up from the neck up. And then it took care of my toes and my knees and my shoulders. God, the Holy Spirit, brought me under severe, serious conviction. And, and the reason that is true is because I have not mastered the principles that I'm, I'm sharing with you tonight. I need some services reconnected too. So let me just share some principles. You need to write these down. This is going to bless you as you go into 2021. And we've seen 354,000 people have breathed their last and have ushered, been ushered into eternity. That person that you're sitting next to right now, we do not know what God's plan is for them. He could snatch our, the breath out of our bodies, and we never see that person that we are, we are not connected to in fellowship the way God intends for us to be. And now we're living with guilt and shame and disappointment, and most importantly, we are living in, 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 in a way that doesn't please God. So let me share. We're going to get into this. All right, the first thing that I want to share, if you're going to be reconnected, get your spiritual service for relationship restoration back in working and righteous standing, the first thing you need to do is understand this. Reconciliation comes with the job description for true followers of Christ. Reconciliation, and that's a big word for some of us, and one of the reasons it's a big word for, for some of us is that we don't, we haven't learned the, the, some of the foundational things from Scripture, but let, let's just run on. Now, here's what the Scripture says, and I've already read it. It says, all this is from God. What is from God? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And the previous verses tell us how we become new creations. And so the, then, then Paul concludes, all these things are from God, who has reconciled us to himself through, who, through his son, Jesus Christ, and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And then he says that God was reconciling the world to himself, in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now, stay with me. Reconciliation comes with our job description. If you are truly saved, if you look at the job description according to these verses, God has given us the responsibility of reconciliation. So, what is reconciliation? Reconciliation is the act of settling differences that cause conflict or friction between people God's way. It is the act of settling differences that cause conflict, enmity, uh, 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 arguments, and division between 
two people, and you can be Christian, and what reconciliation attempts to do is to bring peace or harmony to that conflict, conflicting situation in a way that pleases God, in a way that pleases God. It is the work of intentionally trying to make things right without being right. Reconciliation is not interested in being right. It is interested in making things right. While every relationship may not fully be restored, reconcilers, peacemakers, try to reflect the heart of God in every conflict. When you are operating according to God's job description for you as a Christian, and that's the question, do you know Jesus? If you know Jesus, your, what, your commitment is going to be what Romans, chapter, uh, what, what Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says. The scripture says, as much as it lies within you, you if, as much as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. And so as a reconciler, our job, in whatever conflict we find ourselves in, be it our spouse, our children, our coworker, our neighbor, our extended family, the goal is, is to resolve those differences in a way led by the Spirit of God in such a way that you are living, that, you're, that you are executing the, the Word of God to bring to uh, to, to bring a resolution. And so, just to make that simple, we are trying to bring, make peace by using the Word of God in every situation because that is, is the ministry that we have been called to. Here's it. So, so, we see what reconciliation is. It's the act of settling differences that cause conflict between people of God, God's way. So now, now, watch this. Now, why should we do it? Because God did it for you. The Bible says that God, through Christ, was reconciling, bringing back into harmony, into a peaceful relationship uh, between himself and sinful man, through Jesus' reconciliation. God did it for us. And the scripture says, looking not over our sins or ignoring our sins, but looking, but through Jesus' shed blood, he was able to bring together those between sinful man and God to bring back a harmonious relationship. And so, in other words, God did it for us even though he knew that we were sinners, that we had mess. He looked beyond our fault. He never gave up on us. The Bible says God is not slack concerning his promises concerning us. He waited on you. He, he pursued you when you, you and I were not interested in him. And so, the, so we know what reconciliation is and the reason why we ought to be peacemakers, the reason why we should be settling our differences in a way that pleases God is because he did it for us through his son, Jesus Christ. He didn't need, Jesus did not have to die for us. The Bible says, but he that knew no sin, in verse 21, became sin for us that through his death, through him taking our place to bring, back, bring us back to God, to bring us into harmonious relationship with God, Jesus died. He died. So God did it for us. He did it for us. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we now have peace with God through Jesus Christ. You and I, before we were saved, we were enemies to God. 
We were, we were, we were in, the Bible even calls it that we were in, at enmity with God. We were, we were on the other side of righteousness, and yet God sought us out to bring us into a peaceful relationship. The Bible says, therefore being justified, God now through Jesus looks at us just as if we never sinned, even though we are constantly disobeying him. God never stopped seeking to be reconciled with us, even after we have received him. And positionally, we are. We are already in a harmonious relationship, but we're constantly breaking that when we disobey him. Stay with me. We're going somewhere. So on the, on the one hand, the reason why you ought to be a reconciler is because God did it for you. But secondly, God demands it from you. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. If you are saved, the assignment that God gave you, the moment you trusted Christ, is to be one who seeks to bring people out of darkness into the kingdom of light, to be reconciled with God. But not only that, but through making disciples, you are helping people to learn how to be reconciled one to another. That is the job of every Christian. So God demands it. And the reason he can demand it from you is because he did it for you. If you understand that God didn't have to bring you into his family, that we were genuinely lost and separated from him and, and justly deserved the consequences of our sin, but God, through Christ, continued to work in our circumstances and ultimately through the Holy Spirit, touching our heart and bringing us to a place of con conviction that he was saying, I want to be in a harmonious relationship with you. I want our conflict to be resolved. I want to reestablish what, was, what existed back in the garden. God did it for you, and he demands it from you as well. And so the first thing that you need to do if you are going to be reconnected, you need to understand that a true Christian is a reconciler. That's what you are. That is what you are. God doesn't exist to be your Santa Claus. God doesn't exist to, to, so you can get your praise on. God doesn't exist so you can impress people with how many Bible verses you know. God's purpose for believers is one to bring us into a reconciled relationship with himself, a harmonious, peaceful relationship with himself, where we're no longer enemies so that we could do the same by witnessing the good news to others so that they too can become saved. Here's the second thing that we need to know. Write this down. Here's the second thing. Recognize that broken relationships can disrupt your relationship with God, your fellowship with God, not your relationship. Our relationship, it, 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 nothing can separate us from the love of God. We are always the children of God, but our fellowship with God can be interrupted. And so if your relationship with others is not what it ought to be, God does not ignore that. It doesn't cause him to be all right with that. Listen to what the scripture says in, in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Therefore, if you offer your gift at the altar, you come to worship, you even have money to give, and there remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Didn't say take the gift. Leave your gift. And he says, first go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. 
Now, so on the one side, my, my fellowship with God is interrupted when, some, when I recognize that there's an art between my brother and I. There's conflict that has not been resolved. God says, I don't accept your worship. I, I, don't, I know you had your devotions today. I know you learned a couple new scriptures today. I know you had your prayer team and you're going through your devotionals, reading through the Bible. I know you did all that gossip. But if you come to the altar, if you come and enter into a spiritual uh, uh, encounter with me and the Holy Spirit brings to your mind that there's friction in a relationship, he says, don't go a step further. Don't go a step further. Leave your gift at the altar and go. And then, in the, so that's the God side of it. That, that God is saying, there's an interruption. Uh, your service has been discontinued. There needs to be a reconnection. The reconnection can occur if you deal with the, the conflict. And then first, uh, uh, John chapter 1, verse 7 says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have koinonia, fellowship one with another, and the blood of Christ keeps on cleansing us from sin. So how do you know that you're walking in fellowship with God in such a way that your offering, that your worship, that your prior time is acceptable to him? Look at your horizontal relationship, because when I'm walking in fellowship with God, I will have koinonia with my brother. I'll have koinonia with my wife. I'll have fellowship with, my, with those who are, are in, my, in my circle of relationship. So broken relationship, damaged relationship that we do nothing about, that we don't seek to reconcile because that's our job. And since God did it for us, God says, I've just shut down your worship. I know you go to church every Sunday. I know you say your hallelujahs. I know some of you even speak in tongues. But guess what? All of that hoopla means absolutely nothing to me because you're like the people that Jesus spoke of, quoting Isaiah. He said, well, did the prophet Isaiah say of you, this people draw near to me with their mouths. But their hearts are far from me because they replaced the truth of the word of God with the traditions of men. How do you know that you replace the word of God with the traditions of men? Because you're more interested in religion than righteousness. Because righteousness wants to make it right with your sister or your brother. Religion don't care. Recognize that the, that broken relationship can disrupt your fellowship with God. That's the second thing. The third thing is this, reach out, reach out. Notice that scripture says in verse 23, in verse 24, it says, go first. <laughs> Take the initiative. Well, if they, if, 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 if they, they really want to make it right, they ought to say something. They ought to come to me. No, here's what the scripture says. Reach out by going to some, those who you have hurt. There are some people that you've said some things to in 2020. There's some things that God put in your heart to do that you didn't do. There's some, we say to our dog, we love them more than we say we love, to, love, we love our wives. We love our husbands. We love God. We love our pets more than we love Jesus. And so the first person you need to go to and, 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 and acknowledge that you've done wrong, that you've hurt, is to tell God, Lord, my behavior has been abominable. My behavior hasn't been unto you. I have been operating as a Christian in my flesh. 
I've been perpetrating a lie because what you tell us to do in your word, when I have hurt someone, you said, leave your offering at the altar and go. And so unless you can say you honestly have gone, then I want you to know that you haven't reached out to those who you have hurt. The reason why we don't reach out to those who we've hurt is because it takes humility to go and tell somebody you are wrong, that I'm sorry, it's my fault. It takes humility to ask someone to forgive you. But the Bible that we read and say we believe, the scripture says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so to go to people that you've hurt, there's some people who you have scarred by things that you withheld, by things that you said, by a look that you gave and you intended for them to be wounded by. You have caused them not to see Jesus, and some of them may not be in the church today because of a behavior that we displayed in front of them. That's the danger of, of, of not being aware that we're reconcilers. We, we don't have a, the right to be acting any kind of way. We don't have the right to just treat people any kind of way. We can't just let people have it. We can't just go wherever our thoughts and words want to take us. We can't just shut people out because we are reconcilers. We have been called to reconnect people to God and to one another. And so the first thing we need to do after we recognize we're reconcilers and that we need to reach out. The second thing is that we need to understand that our relationship is affected by that. But, so we need to go to people. You know, one of the most interesting stories in the Bible is about Esau and Jacob. Some of you need, you need to read the story of Esau and Jacob. Jacob steals Esau's birthright, the right of the, the spiritual right of the first son. And we're not going to get in first. The oldest child gets the most. Of, of the father's inheritance, and he becomes a spiritual leader of the family. So God intended for Jacob, who was born second as a twin, to get the birthright. He didn't need Jacob and his mother to conspire to steal it. But because they stole it, now Jacob, the supplanter, the, the trickster, the, the heel catcher, the, the crook, the con man, uh, uh, the shyster, he has to flee. And for 30 years, he is fleeing from his brother Esau. And then God says, you got to go back and deal with Esau. You've got to reach back. And, and, and here's, the, here's, the, here's the powerful thing. You need to get this. Uh, God pronounced over Jacob's life the blessing of Abraham. Everything that God said he was going to do for Abraham, he said he was going to do for Jacob. But in order for the blessing to be released, he had to go back and make it right with Esau. There's some things that God wants to release in your life. There's purpose and there's destiny, but there's some people that you have hurt that you've never made it right with, that you've never taken the time to humble yourself. You say, if I have in any way caused your life to go in the direction that it has, somebody may be on drugs because, and I'm not saying, oh, you got to walk around and get in No, no. What I'm saying is you may need to go back to your Esau and release them from their pain by apologizing to them and letting them no, it really wasn't you. It was me. It was me. 
it was me. One of the reasons that God said that David was a man after his own heart is because David could say, it is me. I'm the one. I was wrong. I did this. Until you are willing to, reckon, to, to, to reach out to the Esau's that you've hurt. Who have you hurt this year? Who have you ignored? Who have you done wrong because you have not operated in the Holy Spirit? You've just killed somebody in your mind. You don't even think about them. Well, that's not a Christmas card you're sending. That's not, an, that's not an acknowledgement that you're going to get. That's not a birthday that I'm going to acknowledge. You need to go. You need to reach out to them and go back. I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying on. You know, there's some Esau's I got I to gotta reach out. Too. I, I recognize that there's some people that I may need to go back and say, Lord, uh, to them, if I, if I am in any way responsible for helping your life to be delayed, I'm willing to acknowledge it. So let, let's run on. Then you need to also, not only do you need to reach out to those who you've hurt, but you need to reach, to, reach out to the people who've hurt you. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, he said, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Don't get on the phone talking to your best friend. I just want you to know that they really hurt my feelings and I can't understand why they don't, why they keep doing the same thing. No, no, no. God says, go to that person who has offended you alone, privately, and let them know that they've hurt you. Who have you, who have you refused to go to that has hurt you and has caused the relationship between you and them? to be in a stagnant or, or in, a, in, in, in a state that is not pleasing to God. While it takes humility to go and admit that you're wrong, it takes courage to go and tell somebody they hurt you. Because when you tell somebody they hurt you, they can do it again. But God says, this is the scriptures. I uh, stop all this. Uh, if another level, another devil. If you if you take one step, he'll take three. Okay, we ain't no way in no Bible. Here's what the scriptures say: Stop talking all this highfalutin theological gibberish. And here's what it says: Go to the person who hurt you. Who has hurt you? The Bible says you go to them privately, but it takes courage. It takes courage. And so what we want to do? We want to reach out. We want, to, we want to recognize that when we don't deal with the, the brokenness, that it interrupts our fellowship with God, that we've been called to be reconciled. Here's the fourth thing. Here's the fourth thing. Write it down, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurry on. You need to repent. If you're guilty of my, you, you know, here's the sin. That somebody hurt you, but you refuse to go and tell them because you're afraid they might hurt you, and they, see, they may think that they got, got, got through and did something to you. Now you're in sin, even though the initial sin was by what someone inflicted you with. Or if you don't go. When the prodigal son, the Bible said, as he was getting ready to eat the food that was offered to the pigs, the Bible said he came to himself, and he decided to go back home to the father's house. And when he came into the presence of the father, the first thing that the prodigal son said in Luke chapter 15, he said, I have sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. Sometimes, in order to reconnect in relationship, you need to repent. I need to repent. I need to acknowledge that what I did was not just something hurtful. It was sinful. 
I have sinned against God, and I have sinned against you. Well, I already told God. I don't know why I have to go to them. Because the Bible says if we, if we, if we sin against one another, we need to go and be reconciled. That's Scripture. Repent if you are wrong. Here's the fifth thing. Come on, stay with me. Refuse to blame others for how you feel. Well, if she hadn't done it, I wouldn't be this angry. If she hadn't done it, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have held, I wouldn't have stopped thinking for five years. If he hadn't done it, lest I know, no human being is the Holy Spirit. No person should have the kind of power over how you respond greater than the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. The scripture says the fruit of the Spirit is Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. The question is, what spirit is controlling you? And it shouldn't be what somebody did to you. It ought to be what you've done by yielding to the Holy Spirit in spite of what they did to you. Refuse to blame others for your feelings, for how you, how you responded. You can have 10 people in the same circumstance and have 10 different responses. You make the choice of how are you going to respond in a way that you are a reconciler or are you a wrecking ball? And I want you to know that there are generational consequences on your family. You taught your children how to be unforgiving. You taught your children how to hold grudges. You taught your... So this is not just about you. And if you, if you chase this thing down and, and really evaluate it, the reason why we respond the way we did is because this is the way it was where we were raised. So this is generational. But now we are part of a new generation. The Bible says that those that are born of the Spirit are of the Spirit. We ought to be operating in the power of the Spirit of God. When is the last time you literally prayed and said, Lord, control me by your Holy Spirit, and then yielded? We are so comfortable with churchianity and religious jargon and relig re, uh, uh, religiosity that if the Holy Spirit was taken from our lives right now, we wouldn't miss them. Refuse to blame others for your feelings, for your actions. Here's the second thing. Here's the sixth thing. So we're moving on. We're going to get through this. Resolve issues quickly. In verse 25 of Matthew uh, chapter, five, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 29. This is the word of God. Listen to what God says. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is about to take you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. So he's talking about how something can get progressively worse. The Bible says, don't go to bed angry. Be angry, but sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. We don't let the moon, the stars, the years, the decades go down on our anger. We've gone to bed angry. We can, this sin is one of the most common sins in Christian homes. We need to resolve things quickly. The longer you wait to, to deal with what God has revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, the worse it can become. You ever been mad at someone, you got in arguments with them, and you're just really angry, and they're angry, and now you're yelling at each other, and Christians do yell at each other from time to time. We do get out of, uh, uh, we, we do get in our flesh, 
And then here's where the devil compounds it. Because the Bible says, don't go to bed and be angry, but sin not. Don't let the sun go down from your ass. Because when you do, you give the devil a foothold. Now, some of us, the devil has the master bedroom. He done, he done move right in between you and your wife. He, he's sleeping right there, snoring every night. You can't even hear him. You're so hard and callous in your heart trying to be right. And so let's say uh, two weeks go by, three weeks go by, and then the next thing you know, the person that's been shutting you out, giving you the cold shoulder, all of a sudden they're treating you like royalty. They act like nothing ever happened. And now you're kind of confused. How do you go from treating me like trash and, and acting like I don't exist, and now everything is hunky-dory and fine? The reason they can do that on Stop on the Dime, like, they forgot what the problem was. They forgot why they were angry. They're like Forrest Gump. You remember he just went running? <laughs> he didn't know why he was running. He didn't know why, you know, and he did that for three years, and people followed that, that Forrest Gump. There's some folk who just run and who just angry. And, the, and, and anger is like a malignant cancer. It, it, it starts with it, uh, ang, uh, 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 unforgiveness is like a malignant cancer. It starts with anger, and then it becomes bitterness, and bitterness becomes uh, rage, and rage becomes malice, and malice becomes hatred, and hatred lives to, leads to murder. Well, I ain't ever murdered nobody. Yes, you did. You, didn't kill, you got a whole bunch of graveyards in your mind, a bunch of folks with gravestones in your life. Resolve issues quickly because it, it gets progressive. Here's the here's something. We're about done. Running away from conflict isn't an option. That's what men do. Oh, I'm sick of whatever you want to do. You want to spend a million dollars? Just leave me alone. I didn't try to tell this. Lord. I ain't gonna, I we just feel like we can walk away from it and it's supposed to be okay. And now by the time we, we finally get right involved, your house floating down the block. Run, running is not an option. The Bible says, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. How are you going to run and resist? The Bible says that, 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 we ought to, uh, that we ought to put on the whole armor of God, fight the good fight, and, and do all to stand. You can't run and work on relationship. It takes effort. Any relationship that ever matters, you've developed it because you've gone through some conflict. You've gone through some tension. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. How does iron sharpen iron? There's going to be conflict. There's going to be friction. There's going to be sparks. There's going to be disagreement. Running is not an option. Running away from conflict. It doesn't go anywhere. It's like the, it's like the carpenters. The, uh, he, he agreed. He told this, this guy, said, look, I'll give you three times the amount that I would normally pay if you can finish carpeting my house and in one, in one day, because the owners are moving, he said, oh, no problem, I can do it. And so he realized that he had taken on more than he could chew. And so, but he, he got that thing and he threw it all in. And then after he finished everything, he noticed that there was a lump in the carpet. And he said, I ain't taking up this whole room, then I'll lose the job. So he took his hammer and he pop, 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 and he flattened out the carpet. And now it was smoothing. The guy came in and he, he, he said, here's your money. I never thought you could do it. Oh, you, you just amazing. I'll, I'll recommend you anybody. He said, by the way, where's my parrot? The parrot was in the carpet. <laughs> he, he killed, the, he saw the lump, and he thought by just, you know, it, it, you couldn't see it, but it was still there. You can run, but it didn't go anywhere. You're just coming back to it. You can move to another city, get married and divorced five times, but every time you get remarried, you run into the same problem. And guess what? The problem is looking at you when you stand in the mirror, because the problem is you all the time. Running away is not. Conflict is not an option. Remember, the eighth thing, you're not perfect. 
oh, well, I, I would never do that. But Paul said, but for the grace of God, so, I, so go I. Jesus said, they, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You're not perfect. And every day, because of our imperfection, the Lord says that my mercies are new every day. Why does he need new mercies for us every day? Because we got stuff that ain't right that God has to keep on covering by the blood of Jesus. You are not perfect and nor am I. So you need to cut somebody a break because the same measure that you use to measure and weigh others, God says, I'm going to use that against you. If you don't show mercy, there's coming a day. Let me run on. Here's, a, here's the next and last thing. Release people that have hurt you through forgiveness. Now, I'm not going to read this passage, but in Matthew chapter 18, verses 28 through 30, the Bible talks about this man that the Lord gave, forgave of an, a, a debt that he could never pay in 10 lifetimes. God, God the, 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 the master forgave the servant of the debt. And then he went and found a servant after he was forgiven who owed him a week's wages. And he said, man, pay me today. And not only did he say pay me today, the scripture says that he put his hands around the man's throat. And he tried to physically force him to pay what he couldn't afford. He said, I will pay. And he could pay, but he couldn't pay that day. He said, well, I ain't waiting. He had the man arrested and locked up. And he put the man in the dungeon. I want you to know every time you withhold forgiveness from somebody who has hurt you, you put them in the dungeon. And withholding forgiveness is like keeping that person in the torture chamber. And you can inflict pain and, 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 and harm to them every time you, they try to make it right. They try to uh, uh, fix it and, and, and try to get you to forgive them. But when you withhold it, that almost gives you a power that keeps them locked up in a dungeon. The Bible says that God called that servant who withheld judgment wicked and unjust. In fact, I believe at the end of that passage, it said that the person wasn't even saved. Christians forgive because we've been forgiven. One of the greatest evidences of the presence of the Spirit of God in your life is that you're forgiving. You don't keep rehearsing what somebody did to you. You don't keep throwing it up in their face. The Bible says that God removes our sin as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. And so if God can forget and not bring it up, what makes you think it's okay for you? How dare us? Release the person from the debt by forgiving them. Well, I ain't going to forgive them because they think they got away. No, they don't get away. You forgive them while they're still in jail. You forgive, some relationships aren't going to be restored, but you, you, don't, you, you don't have control over that, but what you do have control over is forgiveness. Here's the final thing. Rely on the Holy Spirit for the result. The scripture says when you go to a person privately and if they respond, you've been reconciled, you've been reconnected. If they don't respond, take somebody else with you, two, people, two or three. And if they respond to the two or three, now you're reconnected. Because the goal is reconnection, is not trying to be right, not trying to get people on your side, not trying to stay the victim. He said, but if, if they don't receive you and the brothers or the sisters who go, said, then send the leaders. And if they reject what the leaders say about being reconnected, being reconciled, God said, treat that person as if they're an unbeliever. In other words, the result, once you've done what God told you to do, then it's between that person and God. Leave, rely on the Holy Spirit 
to deal with that person's heart. Get reconnected in 2021. Don't carry bitterness and anger and wrath and malice and hatred into 2021. Life is too short. You will never experience the blessings of Abraham when you haven't dealt with the Esau's in your life. You are a reconciler. And understand, until you operate as a peacemaker, as much as it lies within you, you will continue to have your fellowship with the Lord interrupted. You can come to church every Sunday and serve on the ministry, but your fellowship with the Lord is restricted. Get reconnected. As I close, as we enter into our process of, of going into 2021, I read a story about a coach, a football coach, college coach, who before he became a college coach, he, he, be, he was a baseball player. And he, he played baseball for a, a local college. And the first time he batted, he hit the ball right, he hit the ball over the first baseman's head into right field, straight down the line on a line drive, and it was going so fast, it got past the right fielder. And so this coach who's on the baseball team, he runs the first base, and he begins to look for the third baseman, the third base coach to know what he should do next. And the third base coach is telling him to run the second, run the second. And he runs the second. And as he's running the second, he can see the third base coach saying, run the third. And he's running the third. And then the coach, when he gets to third, he said, go on and run home. And so he runs home, and he runs home and tags home plate and didn't even have to slide. He had hit an inside-the-park home run. And all of the teammates, they ran out, and they celebrated, and they were high-fiving, and he was feeling great. I mean, the first hit of his career is an inside-the-park home run, and he just couldn't wait to tell everybody how he, how he had accomplished this great feat. And then something really strange happened that rained on that parade. The pitcher who threw the home run pitch, he takes the ball once it comes into the infield, and he tosses it over to first base. And the first baseman catches it, he touches the bag, and the umpire says, you're out. <laughs> In his excitement <laughs> to get around the bases and, and, and to, score, to, to get this inside the park home run, he missed first base. <laughs> I don't care how hard you can hit, how fast you can run, how good you can teach, how many degrees are behind your name, how many people look up to you, how many followers you have, and how many devotions you taught, how many Bible classes you taught. If you miss the most important thing, if you miss first base, and here's the most important thing. God said, here's the two greatest commandments. First of all, love me with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. And the second commandment is like unto the first. Love your neighbor. Reconnect with your family. Family. Reconnect with your husband. Reconnect with your children. Reconnect to those who you've hurt, those who have hurt you. And if you don't do that, you might as well sit on the bench because God says, I have rejected you. I know they're applauding. I know they're impressed. But I understand that you never touch first base. And first base is to be reconciled. Be reconciled in 2021. You want to see where you are spiritually? Are you willing to humble yourself and admit that you've hurt somebody? Are you willing to let somebody know they hurt you? Let's pray.